0: I was trying to explain my politics to someone, they said, I said, I, I used this phrase, I said, my politics aren't about a personality or a party, but about principles. But my faith is not about a pers- personalities or this or that, but about a person Amen. named Jesus. Amen. And so that's who I'm trusting this morning for the answers in my life and for the answers for this nation and for the answers in this crazy time we're living in. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. What a crazy week. My week started this week. How many have had just a crazy week? Come on. We have those. Crazy year. All right. (laughs) And uh, this Monday morning, I was getting ready for work, and I hear this loud crashing noise, and then a snap, and then a... It sounded like an explosion, and it was within a few hundred yards of our house, and all of a sudden, the power's out, and I'm like, what is going on? I don't know if you know, but there was people who were actually trying to chainsaw down power poles in our area. That's not what this was, thankfully, I was like, but, um, you know, I was thinking about it, I'm like, I guess it's just another day ending in Y in 2020. Come on. (laughs) That's how they start, but uh, crazy and but God's up to something. Amen. Turn to somebody this morning and say, "God's up to some things." Um, you know, I talk to many people about the events of this year and everything that's going on, and even the people I work with. And many of the, the perspective I hear quite often is, "I just can't wait for it to be over." I can't wait for it to be over. I just want, somebody said, I want a fast forward button on this year. And uh, the sentiment seems to be, can we just get through this? And it would be easier, I would say, sometimes when we're going through testing and tribulations that are going on in this world. How many know the Bible says that in this world, you'll have tribulations, right? But fear not. Fear not, come on, For he's with us and he's overcome this world, come on. The overcomer lives in us and he's already overcome. And so we have some tribulations, we're going to go through some things. I think I've probably said that a few times this year, but I'll reiterate it, it's worth repeating. But while I understand the temptation to just kind of hide and hunker down and just try to survive and get through it, I also know that as the church, as the people of God, we can't succumb to that mindset. We can't succumb to that mindset. My, my friend, Jose, is he in the house? Where is he at? Drummer and youth minister. Come on, brother. Um, he, has, he has a phrase that I've, I've grown to, it's, that's growing on me. You know, when somebody's got issues and stuff, he'll, he'll say, oh yeah, it's, it's a situation. He'll say about that problem or thing, it's a situation, you know? And, so, and, and I've grown to say that, I'm saying that in our house now, and Carolyn's like, you sound like Jose. Okay. it's a situation and and so some of the things we could just call this year It's just been a situation in our lives, but know this that God is up to something and I believe this morning That he wants how many know God's always about building and battling yeah. He's building something he's building his kingdom and he's building the church He says upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it so God's in the work of building and there's also a battle. And I think as we are in this month of prayer and fasting, we need to acknowledge that we are in the midst of a battle. And I believe a battle probably like we've not been in before. And so my heart as a pastor is that we would be prepared, that we would be we would be armor armed and ready. And that we be prayed up and prepared for what God has to come. And I was thinking back this year to June when Pastor Cleve was here. How many remember that message when Pastor Cleve was here? He preached a message that was on praying, prevail, pre- prevailing, and preparing. And so I think it's still, uh, still relevant to us. How many, are in your, how many are in Nehemiah 1 this morning already? All right. Let's start reading there this morning. It says in verse 1, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, Now it happened in the month Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress, somebody say great distress, and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. We have a situation. Quite a situation, right? And so I want you, let me just a little background here with Nehemiah. Here's Nehemiah, and he is in a prominent position as a cupbearer serving the Persian king. Artaxerxes, in, in about, scholars say, about 444 BC. And so here he is, and I want to understand a cupbearer is more than just a modern butler, all right? It was a position of great responsibility and privilege. At each meal, he tested the king's wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned. A man who stood that close to the king in public had to be handsome, cultured, knowledgeable in court procedures, and able to converse with the king and advise him if asked. Because he had access to the king, the cupbearer was a man of great, somebody say great, Great. influence, which he could use for good or for evil. And so, here is Nehemiah in this conversation with his brother and friends, and, you know, it had been 90 years since the children of Israel had begun to return from Babylonian exile to Jerusalem. The walls had been destroyed. The temple destroyed, right? The prophets were declaring that the temple should be rebuilt. It had been 70 years since Haggai and Zechariah were prophesying concerning the rebuilding of the temple, and yet it still had not happened. The foundation was laid, but the, the walls were still down and destroyed. The gates had been burned with fire. These people were in a terrible place of vulnerability for enemy attack. And so here's the setting, and here's the, story, here's the news that Nehemiah is receiving that his city, the city of our great king, the city of our God, was in trouble and vulnerable to enemy attack. Yeah. They had begun the work, but they hadn't finished it. They, some, they just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And how many know if you begin to build that temple without walls, the enemy's going to come in and take your valuable materials? It's going to be hard to build. But the work of rebuilding and restoring Jerusalem had stagnated and progress had not been made. So that's the context we find ourselves in. This morning, I want to talk to you about a cause for concern. A cause for concern. Because God has, I'll ask you this question, is there not a cause in our day? We have the cause of the gospel. Come on, somebody. We have the cause of building and advancing the kingdom of God on earth. We have a commission. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. But I want to, I want you to see out of the life of Nehemiah this morning, some keys to, for God establishing specifically, because in this time, in this hour that you live in, God has a specific purpose for you. I thought you'd get excited about that. In this time, in this hour, God has a specific purpose for you. Now, you can desire to hide your head in the sand, or you can say, God, I'm here for a reason. At this very juncture in history, this chaotic time of crisis, God has placed me here. What is it for? What do you want to accomplish in and through me in this time that we're in? And so I want you to see, number one, Nehemiah's concern. See, he cared enough about the welfare of God's people and God's city to ask the question, how are they? How are they? See, Nehemiah was a man after God's heart. He was a servant in the king's household, but he was concerned with his city. He was concerned about his people. In Jeremiah 15, verse 5, it says this, Indeed, the prophet Jeremiah prophesies, and he says, Indeed, concerning the city of Jerusalem, Who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? O who will mourn for you? Or who will turn aside to ask about your welfare? God says, Nehemiah is my man. Come on. He's concerned with what I'm concerned with. And you see, discovering the cause that God has for your life in this time starts with concerning yourself with what God's concerned with. You know, we live in a Western culture, and the Western culture mindset tends to be back pocket, backyard. If it doesn't touch my finances, if it doesn't touch my proximity, I don't care about it. But let me tell you what is going on in this nation and the nations of the world should be a concern to every one of us. What is going on on the streets of our cities should be a concern to every one of us. Because we're here for a purpose. And because we are here to thwart the plans and frustrate the plans of the kingdom of darkness on earth. Come on. And so we have a purpose and we need to be concerned with those things. And we need to care about the welfare of those things that concern God's heart. Have you ever had that person in your life that, and we're just being honest. Okay, we're just going to be honest for a moment, for, for the whole message, hopefully, but um. <laughs> have you ever heard that person in your life that you're afraid to ask, how are you doing? You're afraid because every time you ask them, it's drama. There are problems and you're like, oh, ooh," and you just, you just do a detour. They're coming your way and you just do a detour. I hope you're caring and compassionate and empathetic and not like that but if we're honest we have those moments we're afraid to ask we're reluctant to ask because sometimes with the knowledge of the situation comes an obligation to do something and so in us there is some reluctance sometimes to hear what the real news is we've all had that someone The question is do we care enough to inquire about the things that God cares about if we care we will inquire Sometimes it's easier to just not know what's going on One of our pastor friends pastor Dolores she says this she goes what's going on is not really what's going on And that's because there's a spiritual battle There's spiritual things happening in the heavens that we don't see that are dictating the things on earth We see the manifestation, the natural, but there are spiritual things going on above that, and we need to have our eyes open to those things. Come on, somebody. Ignorance is not bliss. What we don't know can hurt us. As believers in turbulent times, we can't just hide our heads in the sand. We can't be moved by fake news, but we certainly can't be moved by no news either. God's asking us. Who will care about the things I care about right now? Who will be concerned with the welfare of my people, my kingdom, my glory, my honor, my reputation in the earth? It's too easy to get into a self-centered mode in our life. It's too easy to hide. It's too easy to hunker down. But I hear the Lord saying, church, arise. Church, awaken. To my calling and purpose in this time even though he had a cush job come on somebody he's the cupbearer in the king's house good job i mean he's got a good good living comfortably even in spite of that he's concerned for the welfare of god's people and his nation because he knew this isaiah 62 7 god's intent concerning jerusalem says this and give him no rest Say no rest. no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth, that call, as a call to intercession, it's a call to prayer. To, until God accomplishes what He desires on earth, give Him no rest. See, here's the news he heard from Hananiah and some men about the situation. For the remnant in Jerusalem, they are in great distress and reproach. Their walls are broken down. Their gates are burned with fire. In summary, some summary it says this. A remnant instead of a great nation. A ruin instead of a magnificent city. And a reproach instead of glory. And if how does this... Parallel our situation today? How does it relate to our situation today? I think if we were to be honest about the current state of the church in America, don't get quiet. We are facing some similar situations. The church is in great distress and reproach. I saw this uh, report from Barna this week that one in five churches are going to close as a result of the pandemic. One in five churches. Many churches are still not able to gather. Many Christians are living in fear. This is this, if we're honest and we ask and we inquire about the things that God cares about, what is the real reality of our situation? It's that the church is not where God wants it to be, amen? And I'm not telling you that to discourage you or depress you today, but I'm telling you that because it's a burden from the heart of God. That what he desires the church to be, just as he desires Jerusalem to be a praise in the earth, he desires the church to be a force. Come on. A force against the kingdom of darkness. A force that cannot be reckoned with. A force that destroys the works of the devil. Come on. A force that sees souls saved from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. Not a force hidden, but a force seen and felt. And known in the earth, where they can no longer say the church is not essential. They can no longer say we are not essential. Walls destroyed. This is a metaphor for a broken relationship spiritually with God. You see, we see in the physical a representation of their spiritual condition. The 50,000 had returned physically. To Jerusalem, but they were still had not returned to their God. And we see today in America a physical representation of a spiritual condition. We see destruction and chaos in our streets. We see, we see pandemonium. It's a physical representation of a spiritual condition. And I wonder if we would be like Nehemiah and get God's heart concerning it. When our spiritual walls are in disrepair, and this applies to our lives individually, amen, our lives reflect it. A lack of peace, prosperity, and order. That We don't see the blessing of God when our spiritual life is in disorder. Those walls are down. There's a breach. The enemy has access. Look at Isaiah 59. I want to see, and this is the condition. When you ask, why are we where we're at today? Why? Because there's a lot of Christians declaring some stuff that I... Frankly, it's just wrong. This must be God's judgment. This must be this or that or this or that. Let me just tell you something. When you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh corruption, and it comes in all levels of society. And what we're seeing in this hour is that corruption being exposed. And the reason it's being exposed, the reason the light's shining, and this is one of our three prayer points this month, that the evil would be exposed. The reason we're seeing it be exposed is because God wants to eradicate it. He wants to establish righteousness and justice on earth and in our nation once again. The Bible says, righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. Isaiah 59, 9 says, Therefore justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, but behold darkness for brightness, but we walk in gloom. Verse 12 going on further down. You can read that whole chapter as homework tonight. Come on, church. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. Come on, I'm going to say it again. And our sins testify against us. I want you to look at a key word. Our. Not theirs, not them over there. Our. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Verse 14 and 15 say, justice is turned back. And righteousness stands far away. How about this? How about what we're seeing is not... God actively judging us, but it's the absence of him. Because when a nation turns their back on him, he pulls back. When a nation walks from outside the commandments and the guardrails that God has set for his blessing, there's trouble, there's chaos, there's evil. So he says, and uprightness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking, and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. Church, beware. He who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. The world is not going to be happy about you when you stand for righteousness. And, it's, and that, that is getting worse. It's not getting better. I know, we'll get, some, we'll get to some good news. Hold on, guys. We'll get... <laughs> now the Lord saw, and it was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice. See, we have a whole movement concerned with social justice. But we have a God who's more concerned with justice in the earth. But his justice is true. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. We can't have his justice without righteousness. So it starts with turning back to him. Then he goes on. But God's plan and purpose to be realized, in for God's plan and purpose to be realized in the earth, he needs a man. Thank God he found one. Look at verse 16. It's so good. It's so good. And he saw that there was no man and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. I think sometimes he still feels like that. Now, thank God that we have Jesus. Because the rest of this verse says this, by then by his own arm, Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. So he found a man, and that man is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Bible says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. But how many know he still needs agreement on earth? He still needs us to enter into his intercession for what he desires. Because there's a battle and there's a building to be done. But God's intent for Jerusalem is in the next chapter in Isaiah 60, verse 18. It says, violence will not be heard again in your land. We need to be declaring this over our nation. Come on. Nor devastation or destruction within your borders. But you will call, somebody say this, your walls salvation and your gates praise. So first and foremost, Nehemiah had a concern for what God was concerned with. And I hope as a church that we will be concerned with the welfare of what God's concerned with. Nehemiah, verse, going on to verse 4, chapter 1. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I'll just stand. When I heard these words, I sat down and mourned, wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Look at his response. Number two is Nehemiah's cry. There's got to be a cry in our heart. God's cry. There's a good kind of weeping. There's a good kind of mourning. And it's a mourning that is in tune with God's heart broken heart for the world for the church for the things that are not happening that he desires to happen for the conditions that are in the world my my daughter and I we were just hanging out and she was asking me about revival and I said you know what let's take a look I'm going to show you something that I got to see so I op- went onto YouTube pulled up a video of the Brownsville revival. Some of you are still old enough to remember that. Because I visited that in uh, Pensacola, Florida in 1999. I got to go visit that. It was quite an experience see what God was doing. But we pulled up a testimony of an eight-year-old girl who, who during that revival, when the altar calls would come for salvation, she felt compelled to go to the altar, and she would sit on the right side of the altar, and she began to cry out to God and her parents could not understand what is going on with our daughter and they saw her over there going like this yeah. and she said this she said god showed me people in hell and what they experience and she said and she said get them The Lord told me to get them. And as I'd pull them up, I'd feel hell when I pulled them down. But when I pulled them up, I'd feel God in his glory. She was interceding there for souls out of hell. The reality of hell. Maybe we would get that cry in our heart. And she would weep and she would wail for souls. And you know what's been... Indicative of every single major move of God throughout our history is a cry and a wailing for souls And I believe God is going to give us the groan of heaven For what he wants for what he desires You see let's let's think about this have you ever had a moment When the need to act outweighs the comfort of your inactivity. Nehemiah could have responded several different ways to this situation. He could have said this You know, the condition of the people in Israel is not my problem, they brought this on themselves. It's not my fault my ancestors sinned and brought judgment on the city of Jerusalem and upon the nation of Judah. You know, it's sad that they are in the state they are, but I'm fine here. Why should I be concerned with their situation? I hope someone will go and and help those people, but I'm too busy. That sounds awful, but there's nothing I can do about it. Come on, if we're honest, we've had these attitudes one time or another. But I'm going to tell you that God wants to use That concern and that cry to birth within you a cause. His first response was to weep, an indication of feeling what God feels about the situation. A willingness to accept God's burden for that broken city. The city of his glory, the city of his praise. Now is the time to weep and mourn. Why? Why are things the way they are? Why? The darkness, the lawlessness, the violence on our streets, the church in disrepair immobilized and rendered non-essential during a time of crisis. Joel 2.12 says this, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. With fasting, weeping, and mourning. I know that falls outside the realm of comfortable Christianity. But I want you to see this. There's a blessing. Matthew 5 verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Amen? Nehemiah's name meant the Lord is our comfort. You see, in his moment of mourning and weeping, God comforted him. And Paul says concerning the Corinthians, he says, desire to come. That I can comfort you with the comfort with which I was comforted. Can I just say this? The reason you need the comforter is because it's an uncomfortable life we live as believers in a fallen world. But the comforter is there. And blessed are the most, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We as a nation, as the church have sinned against God, it's our transgressions, our sowing to the flesh that has resulted in the corruption, the chaos, and the injustice. I want the key word, our, we mindset. An intercessor says we, not them. Are you with me? Not, they don't stand in a place of judgment, aloof from the situation. But like Jesus, he came down, he entered into it. He experienced all temptation as we do. We have a high priest who's able to imp- sympathize with our weakness because he experienced it. He's able to sympathize with us. And so we can sympathize with the weakness of man because they are in darkness. They don't know what they do. They don't know the light of God, they don't know the revelation of Jesus, and that's more reason than ever for us to shine brighter than ever before. But I'm gonna tell you what, this kind of weeping is only for a period. It's only for a period. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment. Oh, come on, how many are thankful for that? <laughs> but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah. There's still a morning coming. Oh, I thought you'd get excited about that, but there's still a morning coming. Yeah. Psalm 126 verse 5 says this, those who sow in tears. Some of you have been sowing in tears. Some of you have been praying in, in, in the secret place for years. You're going to reap with joyful shouting. Can we get a shout this morning? So don't think this kind of weeping, mourning, fasting, and praying does not come with a reward. God is near to the broken heart. He's near to those who are contrite. There was Nehemiah's concern. There was Nehemiah's cry, and there was Nehemiah's conviction. And his conviction was revealed in his prayer. We're going to read through it together. Nehemiah 1, 5 through 11. Read with me if you would. I said, I beseech you, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now. We can just pray this this morning. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night. Whew, round-the-clock prayer this month. Come on, church. On behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we, there it is, we have sinned against you. And I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Verse 10 says, They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name. Is there some people here this morning who delight to revere his name? And make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now, I was the cupbearer to the king. Keyword was. His conviction. I want you to see this in his prayer. He says, God of heaven, that God is the only answer to this situation. Do we have that conviction this morning? God is the only answer to this situation. Not man's plans or programs or great ideas. It's God of heaven who is above all things. He's the only answer to this situation we find ourselves in. Every other idol dwells on earth. He is in heaven. That's why the disciples' prayer says, Our Father who is in heaven... Is a starting place for our prayer life he's above it all to his conviction was God's character you know we're not praying to a, a mean angry God did you hear that we're not praying to a mean angry God we're praying to a good God yes. a loving God who's slow to anger Oh, I'm so glad because I'd make him angry all the time. He's abounding in loving kindness. His mercies are new every morning. We're not praying to God who doesn't empathize with our situation. Come on. He cares about the details. Mm. I read this the other day and it just wrecked me. Psalm 139. It says, he is intimately acquainted with our ways. He sees. He feels. He understands. We can come to him in confidence knowing he's a good God. Full of grace and mercy. Hmm he was convicted of this that God does and will hear prayer hear and answer our prayer 1 John 5 14 through 15 says this this is the confidence somebody say confidence Confidence. which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us that's the key it's according to his will see Nehemiah understood God's will and purpose concerning the city of Jerusalem and the people of Israel He saw the current state. He saw God's desired state. And he said, we want to get from here to there. But between here to there is a battle and a building. I said, from here to there is a battle and a building. It's not a foregone conclusion. We must battle. Anyone telling you that they know what's going to happen in the next three months? I'm sorry. Everything hinges on what the church does. Everything. He says this, okay, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask... We know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Do you have that confidence? Do you have that faith? Do you have that conviction this morning? And you say, Pastor, I don't know what his will is. Oh, get in his word. It's right here. The plan of the ages has been documented, written, and inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by men, inspired by God. This is his will. This is his purpose. This is his plan. He says, We have sinned. I want you to see something. He acknowledged his own sin. And we've heard this message over the last three to four weeks that God is testing hearts right now. Everything that's going on on the earth is like oppressing. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen over the next month. This is one thing I will predict. That is, we're in this atmosphere of battling. Understand, you're going to feel things. And you may have to deal with some things. Because things are going to be revealed. And what do we do? What's our response? I hope it's like Nehemiah. Yes. Yes. God, it's me. In need of Mercy. It's me in need of mercy my attitudes those things that God decides to shine his light on because he's exposing things right now that we would respond like Nehemiah and pray a similar prayer it's failures we can't stand aloof and cast judgment on the church for its faults its failures its mistakes We are called to be a royal priesthood. Come on, somebody. Giving us a divine purpose, and the divine purpose for the royal priesthood is to speak to God on behalf of man and to speak to man on behalf of God. It's the place between the porch and the altar taking the place of intercession and crying out that God's glory be revealed in his church and be revealed in the earth in this time. We can't be passive. We can't just kind of put our head in the sand and pass through this time. There is a purpose that God wants to accomplish. We're called to stand in the gap to identify with the sins of the church and the nation and stand and, and, pray and repent and turn to him. Next, his conviction was God's word and his promises. What God has spoken, he will perform. I said, what God has spoken, he will perform. But understand there's conditions because he had an if. He said, there's an if. If you'll return. If you'll obey my commandments, my statutes, my ordinances. If, then I will gather you and I will establish you in my city. A city for my name and for my glory. And I will cause myself to dwell there. Again, the if is the response. If, we have a big if in America right now. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Second Chronicles 7.14, keep that address. It's an important one. If we'll turn from our wicked ways, if we'll acknowledge him, the Bible says his promise is if we'll meet that if, he'll come and he'll do what? He'll heal our land. I told you we're getting to something good. Come on. Hold on. Here's what Nehemiah knew, that God still had a hope and a future and a plan for prosperity for his people. That has not changed concerning your life. You say, Pastor, this morning I feel like I got some walls that are down. Now's the time to repair Now's the time to rebuild. Now's the time to secure the breach. But God's promise remains. He has a hope. He has a future. He has a plan. He has a destiny. And it's a plan for good, not for evil or calamity. Come on, somebody. Number four, and lastly, I'll close with this, Nehemiah's cause. You see, if we will avail ourselves, if we will avail ourselves to God's purpose in this hour, Listen to this, then he will put within our hearts his desire and his cause. Psalm 37.4 says this, and it's one of my favorite passages. If you delight in the Lord, yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Do you know what that means? I'm going to delight in the Lord, but I'm going to delight in what he cares about. Waiting on the Lord Bible says those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength They shall rise up as eagles. They shall walk run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint Waiting on the Lord is not a passive activity Waiting on the Lord is saying Lord. I'm here for you to serve you Speak to me Because out of that place of prayer out of that place of seeking his face there will come a cause There'll come a need, what God needs from you. Pastor Sam preached so awesome last week on God needs you. God wants you. Charles Spurgeon says this, the hour will need its man. And if you are ready, you as a man will have your hour. See, out of that place of crying, uh, concern, out of that place of crying, out of that place of conviction comes cause. You see, clarity of purpose, gifting, and calling arises from a place of concern, cry, and conviction. Nehemiah received his vision for what God wanted him to do. Check it out. He's a cupbearer, yet this vision for building, rebuilding, and restoring Will cause him to need to be, listen to this, an architect, a contractor, a military commander, and a governor. And I suspect that in his secular employment, in the presence of the king, he probably learned some stuff about governance. Let me just tell you something. You've been in a season of preparation, we're in a new season. But don't despise those moments in the old season because God was preparing you. Even what you've been through, even your experience, even some of your secular employment, God is using that in this season. See, he's been preparing you. You don't even know what's in you yet. You don't even know what God wants to release through you. Come on, somebody. You don't even know what, what God wants to do through his church yet. God saw in, the, in him a heart of a servant A heart he could move on, filled with compassion. I believe this. Let's rise to our feet as we close the service this morning. I believe in this season of seeking the Lord, of concerning ourselves with the priorities of heaven, of crying out to him. of coming to a place of conviction in our own hearts that we're unmovable, unshakable, and we'll stand in this hour. That God is revealing his cause. You see, it's a call to action. It's a call for us to step in. Pastor started this year off with a message, step in, step up, step out. You see, we are a church in transition right now. But it's in all levels. It's at personal levels. It's not just about pastors changing seats. Come on. The whole body of Christ is in transition. Because we're in a new season. And you, whether you like it or not, in the year of upheaval and chaos and crisis, are in a place of transition. But know this, that you were called for such a time as this. Living at this juncture in history, whew, I'm excited. I'm excited of what's ahead of us, guys. Oh, I thought you'd get excited too, but I'm excited But what's ahead of us. I know there's prophecies of doom and gloom out there, and there's some things, but I believe there's an if. I believe there's an if. And it all comes down to how we respond this now. Can I just say this? Hebrews 11 says this, now faith is. (laughs) Now faith is, not tomorrow, not some other time next week, not next month. Come on. Now faith is. Faith is not just me agreeing with what God says. There's an action. There's an obedience in faith. So I feel this morning the Holy Spirit stirring us to action. And it starts with that place of prayer. Has not seen. Come on, let's just lift our voice in this place. Sapo rebeshi kabara mando rebes sita. Kalabossia kura mon diriya sita ni wa so dara. Lord, we're praying this morning. We're praying this morning that you would open the eyes of our hearts. You give us eyes out to see what you see. Give us vision this morning. In this season of darkness, chaos, upheaval, God, that you would open our eyes to what you desire to accomplish. Lord, that we would see, even though we see the current state of affairs, we would see what you desire. And God, that you would show us and lead us in every step of action and plan concerning where we go from here to there, God. We pray this morning, those walls that have been broken down, gone where the enemies had access. Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that a work of restoration is taking place right now. A work of restoration is taking place right now, God. That the breaches are being filled, that the wall will be built. God, you've called us to a battle and to build in this season, but to start with prayer so god we're believing right now for your kingdom to come your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven as nehemiah prayed we pray oh god of heaven come down oh god of heaven come down in our community oh god of heaven come down in our cities oh god of heaven disperse the darkness with the light of your kingdom oh god of heaven cancel and frustrate the plans of darkness in this hour oh god of heaven come and awaken us awaken your church awaken your people oh god of heaven cause your church to come out of hiding cause us to be who you've called us to be jesus As you declared over Jerusalem, we declare over our nation violence will not be heard again in your land. We submit to you, and we resist the devil in every one of his plans and his schemes in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that he must, come on, church, he must flee. Can we just wait on the Lord for just a moment, church? Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands to heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you come? Would you strengthen your people this morning? Would you strengthen us by the power of your might? Lord, we acknowledge this morning it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by your Spirit. For, Lord, we say this morning we have need of endurance so that we may do your will and we may receive what was promised, God. We ask, Lord, during this season for perseverance. Lord, you said those who endure to the end shall be saved. I thank you, Lord, for fresh strength for your people this morning. Help us to persevere in this hour. Help us to keep your commandments and walk in obedience and in faith, line this morning you're watching we just want to pray for you can we just stretch our hands out to those who are online those of you online if you're in a posi- place this morning of distress and despair and a lack of security of knowing God's peace Say, there's been in my life a place of compromise, a place of a breach where the enemy has come in. Just turn to the Lord right now where you're at. Say, Lord, I need you. I ask you to come and rebuild what the enemy has torn down. I ask you to come and heal and restore. A work of restoration in this day, Lord, in this hour gone, in the hearts of your people. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for all those who are sick and in infirm- dealing with infirmity right now. We bind and rebuke the spirit of infirmity. We command you to go, Lord. We release the healing power and virtue of God into every body. May your resurrection power quicken it, every body in Jesus' name touch your people. Strengthen your people. If you're online this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I want to say to you today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Now is the time. The Bible says if you will Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. You shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But also, we must turn from our ways and repent and believe on him. If you make that decision today, if you've prayed and put your trust in Jesus Christ, contact us. We want to pray with you and help you in your walk with him. Amen, church? Can we just give these folks online a clap?